Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Tim S. Marshall, who is a motivational speaker, life coach, entrepreneur, and author. He's written 12 books in two years on personal growth, entrepreneurship, young professionals, sales, leadership, millennials, and breaking fear in relationships. Before that, he built a company that was recognized by Inc. Magazine for four years in a row as one of the fastest growing companies in America by using the tactics he later included in his books. Tim has taught, trained, and developed some of the most influential business professionals and athletes in the world. He created his company using only a desk and a telephone. It might surprise you to know that Tim received his college degree at 25 years old. At the age of 20, he had a seventh grade education and thought he was one of the least intelligent people on the planet. What changed is that he realized he could crack the code by disrupting his thinking with positive action through speed and activity. Tim turns weakness into strength, fear into speed, and self-doubt into power. His revolutionary tactics smash the molds, break the barriers, and bridge the gap between generations with lessons and takeaways for both the present and decades into the future. Tim has also been two divorces. He has kids from his first marriage. And as well as that, I'm being an expert in overcoming fear. I'm really excited to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much. And I'm really happy to be on your show. Oh, thank you. So I know that you've got a really successful podcast yourself. It's The Power of Breaking Fear. And you've got so many books, 12 books, which is incredible, and a big social media following as well. So there's a lot of people out there who know who you are. But for some of my listeners tuning in who maybe don't know, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just, you know, I'll keep it short because everybody has a story. Everybody's story is as just important as everyone else's. But at the age of 20, I couldn't read. I had no skills in mathematics. I was digging ditches. I literally thought that my life was over before it even started. And it wasn't until I found a tape called The Strangest Secret that said you become what you think about. And I realized that very moment, that's not true. What I realized is you become what your actions are. And when you do good actions, your thoughts will follow. So I took it on myself and I realized that the five most important words in life, at least for me at that very moment in time, that I had to catapult into a new way of living was the power of breaking fear. And that's when I went on an absolute tear. I made up for 
probably 10 years of schooling that I skipped that I didn't learn. I was a dropout and I made it up in four and a half years. I got a college degree. I tutored in quantitative methods and I took that out into the sales world, which I had fear of rejection, social phobia. And based on the fact growing up, I really didn't have a social life. So for me to go out in sales was extremely difficult, but I took that same concept, the power of breaking fear. What's the worst that can happen if I get rejected? What's the worst that can happen if I try to create relationships with strangers? And then I quickly, I would say immediately, I got recognized as one of the top junior reps in the United States. And then I became the number one account manager for Toshiba in the country for 10 straight years. I broke every single record there was. It wasn't because I'm just some great salesperson. I just utilized my concept of breaking fear, learning how to create relationships with strangers, networking within to my next obstacle, which was a reoccurring thought of, okay, I achieved this. Can I achieve building a company? And at the time, it was January of 2008, right when the market crashed. And I made up my mind to start a company in one of the hardest, most competitive uh, industries in the hardest market, which was Dade County. I did not compete. I didn't know anybody. Banks laughed at me. Manufacturers laughed at me. They wouldn't supply me with products to sell. I mean, I launched one of the fastest growing companies ever in the technology business. I got recognized by Inc. Magazine for four straight years. I sold it in less than five years to Konica Minolta. When they bought my company, they gave me a couple of other companies that were in bankruptcy that I turned around in a matter of weeks. But along that way, I taught people how to overcome fear personally, professionally, in sales. And I took notes along the way, which created me writing 12 books, but seven books that I market. I created my own virtual online training in the power of breaking fear and entrepreneurship. And then I became a professional speaker and I spoke nationally around the country. And fear is one of those things that most people don't like to admit. Fear is another version of worry, instability, immobility. And there's so many different things that hold us back. But we don't realize that we have the same exact opportunity as anyone else out there that succeeds at astronomical levels. So I've done radio, podcast, TV. I've done more things in my life. I've traveled the world coming from somebody that literally had no education and was digging ditches to being regarded as probably one of the top entrepreneurs and business consultants in the country and probably the top 10 in the world. Wow, that's a phenomenal achievement. And I know that my listeners who are tuning in right now are thinking, well, I'm going through a divorce right now. I'm going through a breakup. So many of them are. I know you've been through two divorces and you've had to co-parent with your children. How have you overcome those fears? Because divorce is packed full of fear, isn't it? Fear of rejection, I guess, not finding love again, being on your own, fear of finances, fear of changes to your lifestyle. So tell us a bit about how your experience with your divorce can help other people going through the same. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I learned, it took me a couple of years, but I didn't realize how powerful relationships are and how powerful they are when they go bad. And I've never experienced so much pain in my life 
from a relationship breakup. And I've taken on a lot of stuff. You know, we don't have time to go through it, but I've really taken on the beast of fear in many different ways. And some ways that I got lucky and I probably shouldn't have taken on fear in certain areas. But I realized that through coaching people, building companies, friends, family, it is the hardest thing that I've found most people struggle with. And the way I've overcome um, relationships, and it goes down to fear, power breaking fear is actually overcoming the fear of loss, the fear of change, the fear of, once again, being immobile, the fear of thinking that, you know what, I'm not going to have what I had before. And if I get something else, is it going to be worse than where I was? And I had to do a deep dive into a couple different things. I had to look at my own ways. Am I codependent? You know, is there toxic things in a relationship that I need to detach from? And one of the things that really helped me, and this is where I coach, um, when I coach people, I do a deep dive real quick based on their past guilt, insecurities, anything that's holding them back. And I say the same thing to every single person. No matter what you've been through in life, it's a gift. Whether it's good or bad, it's an experience. And once you can truly recognize that no matter what happened in your life, no matter what that experience is, you can catapult that. You can learn from that. You can have that in your heart, in your soul. You can keep that. Nobody can take that away from you. So sometimes going through some of the hardest breakups, and I've had some very endearing relationships that, you know, I'll give you an example. I had a very close relationship with somebody that lived outside of the country way, way. And we lasted a couple of years and it was hard going back and forth. And at the time she was getting her master's degree or doctorate degree in another country, but that long stint of time for so long, it became so painful and eventually the relationship went bad and it hurt more than anything else. And that's when I wrote a book called Relation Slips uh, with a very brilliant doctor. And, you know, we just talked about how important it is. And that is the biggest factor uh, that holds people's life together, their balance together. And if you look at it, most people are in a relationship, they are married, and there's a sense of codependency with all of that, which is okay. But what really pulls people back from having truly good relationships is fear. Fear of being left, fear of being bored, fear of second guessing, fear of not trusting. So I created an interactive virtual training program to help people overcome fear, either personally, professionally, in relationships. And it works every single time. Wow, it sounds like we all need a bit of that. If What would you say then? Because obviously some of my listeners are going to be sitting at home going, well, it's easy for you. Like, look at you, you're confident, you've got connections, you've got support groups. Yeah, how am I going to start looking at this as a gift when actually my whole life has been decimated right now? The thing I would say is just like anything, you know, when I've taken on fear, it has made me as humble as anybody out there. Because each time I take on something new like that, I start over from the very beginning. I am no better than anybody else. There's been times that I've taken on certain things and I think to myself, am I going to be able to make it through this? Is this something that 
you know, I took on and maybe I shouldn't have taken on and how in the world am I going to make it through this, whether it's through a relationship breakup, the fear of the loss. I mean, I've gone through pain for, I thought it would only last a year, it lasted years. But each and every time, if I do the right actions, I follow the certain steps. I always talk about awareness, open-mindedness, action, teach, delegate, and inspect, doing certain things. But all my concepts, like the power breaking fear, is not just some story smokescreen book. It gives you exactly what you need to do to overcome being at the very bottom of your life. And it's one of those things where I have to also, as I said before, I have to dig very, 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 very deep when I take on something brand new that I'm not familiar with, or if I've been hurt, I've been there. I've been where that person feels like, where do they start? How do they start? When do they start? Is it going to get any better? But it always has gotten better. If you keep active, if you don't quit, if you look at your life in certain ways, like I said, with experiences, you can create new experiences, new love. It always works. You just can't give up. You can't judge yourself and say, oh, well, I just attract bad people or this or that is not true. There's certain ways that you can do due diligence and you can talk to somebody and look at their background and say, you know, there's patterns here where they've been through 18 different relationships over a period of time, or maybe they don't get along with their family members, or maybe they don't get along with people at work, whatever it may be. Those are red flags. It doesn't mean that they can't come out of it. But that's what you're going to deal with. So you can increase your probabilities by asking good questions from the people that you do meet. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of asking good questions. I think that's really important. That's something that I love in your book as well. But asking a better question will help you get better ideas and options to then follow through, right? Yeah, it will. And I'm a very transparent person. And you know, I would love to say, you know, when you meet somebody and they come across and you hear about their background, everything sounds wonderful, like a great movie. And you're like, <laughs> man, this is it. This is the special person I've been looking for my entire life. And I finally found it. <laughs> and I hear it from people all the time. And I'm like, Tell me that same thing in about three months. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we do. We don't. We, we sort of strap on our rose-tinted glasses and see what we want to see and yeah. don't really hear what they're saying. Sometimes they even people will actually tell us who they are. Maybe they're a bit selfish or, you know, they'll treat people in a certain way when we're around. Maybe they're a bit rude, but we'll minimize it and dismiss it because we want it to be something that maybe potentially isn't. Yeah, you know, as I've gotten, you know, I'm still relatively young. You know, I've taken on life, front loaded my life at a very young age, and I had certain goals that I've accomplished, and they were all brutally hard. No one gave me any magic tricks. No one gave me any money. No, I mean, I scrapped my way into building my life, but, you know, I've been fooled where it's like I thought a couple different times where I've met somebody and they fit all the criteria of their parents still being together or, the way they dress, the way they act or whatever it may be. And I'm like, I don't see any like problems, you know, or red flags and everybody has issues. We all do. We're all different. But then all of a sudden the werewolf comes out when that full moon, you're like, and I look and I'm like, 
I don't see a full moon. Well, actually, you know what? There is a full moon. You know what I mean? And then you're just like, I didn't, what, where did this come from? So what happens then? Do you stay around and try and fix it? Or do you deploy your parachute there's, and get the hell out? There's a rule that I have, at least personally. I always look at myself first. I always look at how I can change, how I can pivot. It could be through meditation. It could be doing self-analysis. It could be maybe I'm too sensitive right now. Maybe I'm not sleeping right. Maybe I'm taking on too much stuff. There's so many different factors. It's not just like, oh, I wake up one day and then I'm a different person. But I look at exactly what I can do so I am not that problem. And if somebody is saying that no matter what, they're perfect, they don't really need to change. They're okay with the way they communicate, which could be toxic at times and very hurtful, and they're not going to change. I'm out the door. Maybe not immediately, but relationships are about building something so you ebb and flow and grow together to, to become one, warts and all, as long as it's relatively healthy. But if you only have one person that is doing every single thing they can, to make those improvements and the other person just says you know what i'm perfect the way i am and meanwhile that other person's getting really hurt affected hurt and affected hurt and affected and they're still making changes that's when i will leave a relationship and i've done it many times not out of spite not because i'm you know some gigolo or any i'm not that you know i'm committed i want to work out a good relationship but it cannot be one-sided i agree I hear a lot that people stay in relationships and in my coaching clinic, they say, but I'm staying because of the kids. And I know you've got two kids from your first marriage. Does it change the dynamic? Did it change it for you? What's your advice if people are staying in something that you've just described where they're trying and the other person isn't, but they've got children and they're, they're saying, I'm going to stay for the children. I mean, because I've a lot of experience with it and, you know, I had two situations with both my previous marriages that they didn't really care for each other so it created a lot of conflict but I also created an igloo over my kids so I kind of self-protected them but if people are you know or kids are being exposed to toxic relationships sort of like you know I look at in politics too you know if if two political parties are extremely toxic we're basically the kids we're hearing all these different things that are disruptive that are creating anger pain, self-doubt, fear, whatever it is. So I always go for the high road and I try to not expose my kids to anything that is toxic. Does it mean it's perfect? No. Uh, I don't believe in staying married based on the fact of staying together for kids unless you can diplomatically have a plan and you are both co-parenting in a very healthy way. If it's not healthy, then, you know, your kids could actually be more poisoned than being with a single parent. And I played the role of of a single parent and uh, I played the role with, you know, being married in my second marriage and both the way I raised my kids and I did that igloo thing and, and protected them. You know, my son, you know, became one of the top students in the state of Florida, picked any university. My daughters and equestrian horses so they're good kids but it was also you know a practice 
It was something that I made a decision to make sure they were around the healthiest environment, whether it was just with me or if it was with the other person in a very healthy way. Hmm. I think that's really good advice because your kids are learning from you as a role model all the time. And what they learn, especially as they're young, growing up, is that what mum and dad have is that's what love is. That's what marriage is. And that's something they're going to learn and carry forward with them. So I think it's it's amazing that you managed to do that. And I like the igloo idea of protecting your kids. I know it's not always easy, though, if one of you wants to do one way and another parent wants to do things the other way. Um, but as you said, it's about taking the high road and, and doing the best by the kids. And then I guess when you come out of the relationship and you're looking to date again, a lot of people I speak to say, Sarah, I'm never going to date again. I will never trust anyone ever again. And I'm terrified of getting hurt. So how do you, you went on and found love a second time round. So how, how would you encourage people to, to overcome that fear? Here's what I would say. Life is short. You're literally ruining your experiences in the future. And I, I can't emphasize that any more than that. There's hundreds of millions or billions of people out there that are in similar situations or whatever. But when you label a situation as if it's you and it's not going to change, you're going to be living in that fear. You're going to be living in that anxious feeling that things aren't going to get better. Find something new. It's always out there. And if it doesn't work, great. You got another experience. You kissed somebody else. You had a romantic time with somebody else. Whatever it is, it wasn't all bad. But don't give up on your life. It's like quitting. Just because somebody didn't sell a certain amount per month, should they quit? Just because a marriage or something went bad, should they quit? Because they started in a business or whatever, it didn't work, should they quit? Because you're just quitting. You're basically saying there's too much pain And I don't want to be caught up with the pain. And the pain is, like I said, if you really, really think about it, it's the experience, the experience of pain, of good. You learn, you have certain red flags, you know what you want. Maybe your top line item might be kindness. Maybe your second line item might be intimacy. Maybe your third line item might be communication. Stop there. That's what you would want to do if that's what your goals are in a relationship. Don't throw everything away. Time flies. And this is it. It's very true. So do you believe that there's only one person for you out there? Or do you believe that you said there's so many people in the world? Do you think that there are lots of soulmates, if you like? for I, I think there's lots of soulmates. And here's the biggest thing. If they're open minded. And if they're aware of certain things that they can change. So I always just like, you know, taking on customers or relationships or companies or if somebody's open minded, I can mold them or they could mold me because I'm open minded. But if they're closed minded, I don't want any interest in them unless they have the secret sauce of building the whatever that great thing is they're going to do. But you can't communication and messaging is everything it's with tv actors actresses relationships salespeople, friends and when you have one-sided communication you have a closed door that somebody can't get in and you cannot create that parity 
So to answer your question, there's lots of people out there. There's a ton of people out there. It's just that we get shaded. You know, we're a species. You know, we get caught up in habitual things that we just remember somebody cooking the coffee the certain way, or you have certain memories and you feel like they're not going to be replaced or whatever it is. There's magic in building new relationships. There definitely is magic in relationships, you know, and I think all relationships need work, though. Like you said, you can't just go in and expect it to just happen without consistently showing up. And, you know, a lot of people give up during relationships. You see it time and time again where people get married and then they suddenly put on lots of ways and they don't go out on dates anymore. They don't dress up anymore and they get into the daily routine of life. So what do you think once you're in that relationship, you've overcome the fear, you, you said, right, OK, I'm going to give it another go. What do you think the secrets of maintaining that relationship are? Communication. And one of the problems that we've been faced with probably more so in the last 20 or 30 years, maybe 10 years, is that it's very easy to replace a relationship. It's very easy to give up on something because swipe left, swipe right, Mm -hmm. dating apps, you know, Facebook, whatever it may be. And then you get that dopamine, right? You get, you get those endorphins going, and then maybe you're in a bad relationship that could be fixed, but then all of a sudden you're seeing something, but you don't know what's behind the curtain. And, <laughs> and then once you make that move, and then you open up that curtain, and then you say, man, I made a mistake, you know? So, <laughs> so avoid you, the temptation. Avoid the temptation, and sustainability is really about you know, like I said, there's there's a couple, at least for me, there's a couple core things that for me personally, I won't take. If somebody's not kind, I won't be there. You know, if intimacy is everybody's got their own intimacy, if there's a form of intimacy that's healthy, that's a big thing for me. If And communication is giant. But if you don't communicate, you're not going to be kind. And then the intimacy won't come. So it really does boil down to really understanding each other, not trying to change the other person. You can always initiate certain conversations and say, well, listen, I don't like the way you treat me. And it's up to them. You know, it's like what I wrote in the power of breaking fear. It's like, you know, I could tell somebody, listen, I really don't appreciate the way you speak to me. And I say it over and over and over and over again. And if you keep doing it, it's on me. And if it hurts that bad for me, I will leave. And it's up to them to make those changes. Do you find, though, that you can be in a relationship where you do both love each other, but sometimes you have different ways of, of communicating, which, you know, some people are a bit more fiery. Some people never like to shout. Some people like to even sleep on an argument, which I just think I just I can't go to bed in an argument. I have to sort it out. Otherwise, I just won't sleep. But I know that I've been in relationships with people like, just go home, Sarah, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. I'm like, no, I can't deal with that. Yeah, how do you handle that when you genuinely both care about each other, but you're just communicating in very different ways? Well, I mean, I think that you nailed it on the head. You know, I'm, I personally am somebody that I don't like to go to bed angry. I don't like to go to bed without any resolution. I think it's the biggest toxic thing that can happen maybe toxic is a strong word but i do believe in you've got empathy problem and solution and there's no reason why you can't talk about the empathy of what's bothering what's the problem what's the solution before you go to bed does it happen all the time no but when you clear the slate like that 
your probabilities of having a good relationship go through the roof. Now, if you have somebody that just is like pushing, 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 no, no, no. I mean, indirectly, that's a form of abuse as well. Mm. Yeah, not being heard, I think, is a really, uh, in my coaching clinic, when I ask, why do you think your relationship broke down? Quite often people say to me, it's just I never, they never heard me. I spoke a lot. I said a lot. I felt like I nagged all the time, but I was never heard. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's some concepts that people use and, you know, I could, if we were talking and, and I was like, well, listen, you know, you're responding, but you're not hearing what I say. So there's such a thing called verbatim listening. So you repeat exactly what I say, right? And then you'll say it back to me, but I'll say it. You'll repeat it after me and vice versa. Does it work sometimes? It works sometimes. It's just another technique. Verbatim listening. Okay. I haven't heard of that one before. That sounds really good. Yeah, it does work, but you have to have both parties that, you know, semi take it serious. Hmm. Because a lot of times through communication, I know for myself sometimes, you know, it's like I can sniper certain, you know, speaking events or radio podcasts, building businesses. But other times, if I'm a little bit lazy in my own mind and maybe I'm not communicating the way I, I mean, but I'm thinking a certain way, but it's not coming out the right way. Sometimes that verbatim listening will come into effect because I'm really saying what that other person wants to hear. I'm just not communicating the way they digest it. And in mm. a good way too, is like through communication, you know, if somebody's really listening and, you know, let's just say if it's verbatim listening, then they're not thinking about, you know, what time they're going to have tea or (laughs) what's for dinner or will you please just stop talking? How long have you talked for? You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. I think a lot of people will find that really, really helpful. Um, I always ask my guests in my podcasts, because it's heartbreak to happiness, I think it's really important to really know what happiness is because you wouldn't leave your house in the morning, would you, without knowing where you were going? Because you'd never get there. And even if you did, you wouldn't know. So it's important to define what happiness is. So what is happiness for you? Happiness for me, it's a transition and it's a transformation. And, you know, it depends on what my goals are. You know, my happiness for me is maybe it's in a relationship that's relatively new, or maybe it works out pretty well, or happiness for me is taking on a new challenge of starting a company or traveling to different parts of the world, writing all the, the books I wrote. There's been, so it's changing. It's an evolution. And then I try to write down what doesn't make me happy. And I try to stay away from that. So it, it really does, it changes, you know, and sometimes, you know, you can connect with somebody and you can have immediate happiness that you weren't even expecting. And then you walk away, you're like, damn, that was exciting. You know, and I didn't expect that happiness to come forward. So, you know, just generalization of happy is, it can be really defined into so many different areas. And it really depends on, you know, where you're at. And I always, I always go into too, did you sleep well? Is there something that's on your plate today that you want to take care of that's going to make you happier that you're going to look forward to? Mm. Um, because it does change. I don't believe in somebody just wakes up every single day and they're happy. Some people are, you know, great, wonderful. That's great. 
I know a lot of people struggle with that, but they also don't realize how happy they are until they lose it. Yeah, it's very true. But I love the idea of waking up every day and thinking about one thing you could do that's going to make you happy that day. Because instead of having this sort of almost unattainable happiness level that you have to strive to get towards and maybe some days you don't hit, just by asking yourself that very question, what can I do today that's going to make me happy, means that you're going to hit it every day, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like even... You know, even this year, you know, I hear it all the time, like 2020 and COVID and how bad it was and how, listen, I had my own built-in anger over some situations that have happened because I am a, I've worked with different areas with either police officers, educators, entrepreneurs. I am not a racist by any means. I'm I'm very, very open-minded. And there's been a lot of stuff that's been troubling this year, but I can't take it in. It's not my fight. If there's a certain fight that I need to be involved with, I will fight. I will go up that hill and I will take care of business. But I can't. It's not in my heart to label that this is a horrendous year. Has there been problems? Yes. But I've also had incredible relationships with my sisters, my mom, people that I haven't spoken to for a long time. and. You know, our relationships are, are so magical right now. So it, it's not just a bad year. It's just opportunities to learn, uh, learn new trends, learn new ways of communicating, learn new ways to love, care about other people versus, you know, who posted the next best picture. I've learned a lot, too, where, you know, there's been a lot of people that you look up to and say, well, wow, they've been doing this for a long time. They're either a you know, professional speaker, they do in the, do certain things and they're out there and people know them, but then you really get to know what's going on behind the scenes and you're like, wow, that person's not that happy and nothing against them. I'm like, they really don't know a lot of what they're talking about. When the shit hit the fan, they crumbled. It gives you an opportunity to really learn a lot when things are dicey and challenging to build up your coping skills to have a better future, not only for yourself, but for your loved ones and kids. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Not taking on all the other stresses, just picking your own fights that you've got to take on yourself and going for it. I think that's great advice. Thank you for joining me today. It's been really, really interesting. Everyone should go out and get a copy of The Power of Breaking Fear because it's really going to help you if you're going through those tough times right now. As Tim said, with your breakup or with your business or with the COVID situation right now, that's really going to help you and give you those tools that Tim was talking about to power through and come out the other side. Make sure you visit timsmarshall.com to find out about Tim's books and products. So thank you, Tim, for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. And then, yeah, just um, go on timsmarshall.com. I have virtual training on the power of breaking through entrepreneurship, many books. I'm not quote unquote your salesperson. I like to give and expect nothing else back, but it all works and it always will work. And it was lovely being on your show. And I look forward to you joining me on our next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. 
One lucky listener every single week that posts a review in iTunes will win the chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day, including exclusive one-on-one coaching with Sara Davison herself. Be sure to head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Sara's gift. Then join us on the next episode. Yeah.